Hi ladies, welcome back to Weekly Half Torah. I wanted to get this week's shear out a little bit early because I wanted to dedicate it Le'ilu Nishmas Rav Yaakov Ben Rev Ben Yamin. That's Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, whose yard site is today. For those of you who are in the WhatsApp group, I sent some information and some stories about his life. And for those of you who are on Spotify, I'll be posting that in the episode description. Um, I just really wanted to mention him because um, I really believe I'm able to teach and to learn Torah because of his legacy, because of his family's legacy, and I just wanted to give gratitude where it is very much due. So this week, we're beginning the first Parsha in a new Sefer of the Torah. This week is Parsha's Vayikra. Before I start the Parsha summary, I just wanted to mention the significance of this specific week on our Jewish calendar. So this being the last week of Adar and us bringing in Rosh Chodesh Nisan tomorrow, Um, This is the week on the calendar when the inauguration of the Mishkan began. During this week leading up to Rosh Chodesh Nisan, Moshe is completing a set of sacrifices which are called Miluim. And these are before Aaron and his sons were installed as Kohanim, as priests, on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. So Moshe begins that process and Moshe and Aaron and his sons um, become Kohanim on Rosh Chodesh Nisan when that inauguration process is complete. So this is a very eventful, impactful week for the Jewish people. I don't want to get confused because the events that I just described don't happen in this week's Parsha. They actually happen, um, some of them in Parsha Shmini, which is a few weeks from now, but where they happen on the calendar is this week. So just wanted to take note of that. Um, this week in Parsha's Vayikra, we see a transition from the completion of the Mishkan to a focus on the activity that's going to go on inside of it. This week is all about describing the various types of sacrifices that the Jews are going to carry out in the Mishkan in the desert before we enter the land of Israel. So much of Sefer Vayikra, it's not narrative in format. It comes in the form of long lists of commandments and instructions straight from Hashem. And this week we're focusing on the sacrifices, the korbanos, from the viewpoint of someone who would bring one. Next week we're going to be focusing more on the priestly role and what the the role of the kohanim would look like in bringing the sacrifice. Um, so some of the types of sacrifices that are are laid out in Parshas Vayikra are the ola and the shleimim, and these are both voluntary offerings. There's what we call a chatas offering, so it's brought by somebody who accidentally sinned. This type of offering would also be brought by the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, or the Sanhedrin, the sort of Jewish supreme court, if they in some way cause the population at large to sin, or it's also brought by a king who sins. There's another type of offering described called an Olev Yored, which literally means it goes up and then it comes down. This is brought for a transgression of certain specific sins and is dependent on the financial standing of the offerer. So the actual recipe, so to speak, for what this korban would be comprised of depends on what the person who has to bring it can afford. And lastly, we have what's called an asham or guilt offering. This is brought by somebody who abuses temple property, sins against other Jews financially, or by someone who's unsure if they sinned or not. So I'm not going to get into each of these types of korbanos in detail here, because this isn't a parsha here. But if you're curious about the finer details, I'm linking the text of the Parsha, so of course you can go and read and see more in detail what those look like. So this week's Haftorah, Switching Gears, comes from Sefer Yeshayahu. 
And we we had a half Torah from this Sefer a few weeks ago in Parshas Yisro. Um, so I'm going to review a bit of the historical context now. Yeshayahu is prophesizing in Yehuda, and this is after the two kingdoms of Israel split, but before the ten tribes that lived in the north were exiled. He's prophesizing during the reign of a king named Uziahu, and this is prior to the destruction of the first temple and um, the expulsion of the ten tribes up to Bavel mostly. Um, he's coming to prophesy just before Yechezkel, who's the Navi that we learned about in the last few weeks. And he's a contemporary prophet with Yonah, Hosea, and Amos. And the theme of most of these prophecies that are going on at this point in time is Hashem warning the Jews that if you don't do tshuva, if you continue to worship idols, if you continue to make these sexual transgressions, if you continue to murder and rely on foreign kingdoms, for, for help instead of trusting me, Hashem, that I will be sure to punish you for all of that if you don't do tshuva. So Yeshayahu's Nebuah in the beginning is prophesizing the, the destruction of the first temple, what exactly that will look like, and prophesizing what the exile will look like if the Jews don't do tshuva in advance, if they don't do something to prevent it. The next, the, the latter part of, of the Sefer has to do with vivid, beautiful descriptions of what the reality of the messianic era will look like. And that's some of the content that we're going to see today. So this week's Haftorah is jumping ahead about 30 prakim and some change from where we were a few weeks ago in Parshish Yisro. That's where Yeshayahu is installed as a prophet. This week's selection is coming from prakim Mem Gimel and Mem Dalid. That's chapters 43 and 44. The Haftorah opens with the Navi rebuking the Jews for turning away from the sacrifices that should have been brought to the temple and instead making sacrifices to idols or foreign gods. So right off the bat, we can see a thematic reason for connecting the two selections here. The sacrifices were described in such perfect detail in this week's Parsha and Right off the bat, Hashem is giving rebuke through Yeshayahu that the, the instructions that I set forth for you are not being followed. So it's a reminder of what, what we should be doing. Hashem then reminds us through Yeshayahu's prophecy of his supremacy and his kindness and that even though you're sinning, you still have a special relationship with me and you can still always come back to me. In Pasuk Tess of Parak Mem Dalid, Hashem through Yeshayahu's Nebuah launches into a very long and scathing and mocking critique of idolatry. Some of the points that, that he brings up is how ridiculous it is that idolaters believe that something that can be made and destroyed by a man has the same power of a god, has the power to save, to heal, and influence the world. You really think that something that can be created and destroyed by a human being can do what I can do? It's absurd. How foolish it is that you make a god out of the same thing you use to warm your homes and to cook your food. It, it just doesn't make any sense. And Pesukim Tazayan and Yudzayan, I'm just going to read these in English, Hashem says, part of it, he's describing um, what an idolater exactly do, does. He says, part of it he burns in a fire, on that part he roasts his meat, he eats the roast and is satiated. He also warms himself and cries, ah, wow, I'm warm, I can feel the heat. The rest he uses to make a god, he uses it to carve, he bows down to it, he worships it, he prays to it, and he cries, save me, save me, you're my god. 
So Hashem here is really intentionally creating a mocking tone in the nevuah, calling the Jews out for how silly and foolish this behavior is. Um, we, as sort of modern people, don't understand the Yetzirah for this type of activity. But it was something that Jews of previous generations, especially before the exiles, really desired deep down to do. They, they couldn't control themselves. They just, they had, they had this urge to, to worship idols. And Hashem here is pointing out exactly how ridiculous that is. He, he understands that we have the urge, but he says, guys, I need you to resist this. This is not why I made this special relationship with you. Um, something important to note about this section is that Hashem refers to the idolaters in the third person, not in the second person. Instead of saying, you do these ridiculous things, I can't believe you've fallen into this, this behavior that's beneath you, Hashem says, they, he, the idolater does these things. Here we see that Hashem is trying to criticize the practice, not the Jews, because the last part of the Haftorah is creating a tone of comfort, of acceptance, and we see in the last psukim that Hashem wants us to do tshuva. He wants us to return to serving him in the way he intended through the korbanos and the base of Mikdash that he began to set out in this week's Parsha. So the overall narrative arc of the Haftorah is Israel, Jews, you've done a bad thing. All of the sacrifices I commanded you in have been abandoned. I need you to remember that I'm the one true God and Perak Memdalid Pasak Vav, Hashem says, Ani Rishon Vani Acharon, I am first and I am the last, Umi Vladi Ainan Aside from me, there's no gods. Next, the point is not only is idolatry futile, but it's just outright ridiculous. You really think something made out of metal and wood has the same power as me, God, the one who created the entire universe? Lastly, Hashem brings us back. He says, I, Hashem, I always forgive you. I created you for the purpose of serving me, and it's never too late to return to that purpose. I will redeem you if and when you do. So in terms of how we can tie the messaging in this week's Haftorah to our own lives, I wanted to share a commentary called the Malbim on the very last Pasuk of the Haftorah. So the Malbim was an Ahron. He's one of the later commentators. He lived in what's modern-day Ukraine, and he's writing in the late... 19th century when the Haskalah is moving through Eastern Europe. For some cultures, the Enlightenment, in, in um, Hebrew Haskalah, it means the Jewish Enlightenment. And so for some cultures, Enlightenment brought with it freedom, innovation, technology, science. But for Torah Jews, it was an absolute disaster. More and more young people are going to study in secular universities. They're being exposed to text criticism, and they're imbibing all of these ideas that are claiming that humans wrote the Torah and it's just another piece of literature, or your Masora is backwards and archaic, that being involved in the modern world means being totally secular, and these young Jews start to believe this and really take it to heart. So the Malvin's commenting on the text in light of new questions that are being asked about it. We shouldn't view him as an apologetic, but as somebody who's responding to the questions and criticisms and attacks of a new era, somebody who's trying to find a way to help people see the value in our Masora when all these new ideas are coming and attacking it. Um, my personal opinion, I think the commentary of the Malbim is one of the most pertinent to our lives today, because whether or not we'd like to admit it, the questions that came up first in the Haskalah still affect our ability to accept the messaging that Hashem is sending us through our text. 
Um, these ideas sometimes convince us that the texts were written for a di different generation, that we can't learn anything from them because we don't live in the world of the Tanakh, and they can really present challenging, conflicting ideas to our Muna. So the particular piece of Malbim I want to mention, it comments on the last Pasuk of the Haftorah. So I'm going to read the Pasuk and translate it, and then we'll get into the commentary. Pasuk says, Ranu shamayim ki Hashem. Sing heavens because Hashem has acted. Hariu tachtios haaretz. Shout all that's below on the earth. Pitzchu harim rina. Open your mouth, mountains, and sing. Ya'ar v'kol eitzbo. The forest and every tree that is in it. Ki ga'al Hashem Yaakov v'Yisrael yispa'er. For Hashem has redeemed Yaakov, and through Israel he will glorify himself. This Pesach is describing that in a time after the, the, Jews have done, the Jews have done tshuva, that the whole world and everything in it will merit to acknowledge that Hashem has brought all that is good and all that is special about this time into existence. The Malbim takes things a step further in his commentary. He comments on the words at the beginning of the Pesach, Ki Yasa Hashem. He says, Hashem asa es shemaim umanhig es hamarechas. He says, Hashem has made the heavens and guides the entire system. And there are those who will make the mistake and they will say, they'll be led astray and they'll say that Hashem left the earth up to the government of the stars. So this is an idea that's really popular during the Haskalah that Hashem did create the earth, but once he did that, he stepped out of the picture and he, he doesn't care. He has absolutely no, no bearing on what goes on on the earth. The Malbim's commentary continues um, about the words that say, those below on the earth will say. His commentary says, Ki gam sham Hashem rak He says that when the Pasuk says that those below on the earth will shout, it means that there the glory of Hashem will, sh will show himself. His intervention will become apparent. And he doesn't only have general providence over the world, but he has providence over every single thing that happens down here. The Malbim's telling us exactly the type of behavior and thought that we have to work on eliminating. He says that during the Messianic era, there will be this complete understanding that Hashem is creator and Hashem guides what goes on in this world. We've, I think we've all entertained before the thought that, well, maybe Hashem created the world, but he created it and stepped back. Does he really guide what goes on down here? Or maybe we even thought, okay, maybe Hashem does have Hashgacha, but he only guides the world in a general sense. He cares about the wars. He cares about the kings. He cares about the president. But my life, is it worth his attention? Does he really care? Um, the Ramban is also discussing these ideas in a commentary on Sefer Shmos, and he reminds us that these attitudes are why we have so many mitzvahs to remember Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. It's a constant reminder that Hashem created this system, and because he created it, that's exactly the reason why he cares about driving what goes on down here. It's, it's, it's not that he, he, he took a step back and he doesn't care. The reason that we're on this earth is to serve him and make the relationship with these ideas that he cares about our lives and what goes on in them. Um, the last thing that the Malbim has to say on the words um, that Hashem has redeemed Yaakov and through Israel his name will be, will be glorified. 
Um, the Malbim says that exactly the way that this will be accomplished is through Hashem creating miracles for the Jews. That the entire world will see these miracles happen and they will be in absolute awe and, and reverence that this God and this people have such a special relationship and that proves why he exists. So really what the commentary of the Malbim I think is coming to tell us is that in the times of Yeshayahu, that generation's challenge was that they abandoned the temple sacrifices. But the Malbim's explaining from the text that our generation has a different challenge. Our generation, the, the, the sin that we're, that we're engaging in is doubting Hashem's providence and feeling like he doesn't care about our individual lives and well-being. The good news is that Pesach is coming up, and just like the Malbim says, this understanding is about to become much clearer for us. Hashem is about to remind us of all the miracles that he does for us, big and small, and in a way, um, we're, getting, we're getting a taste in Nisan at Pesach of what the ultimate Geula will feel like, of the clarity that we'll have, of the strength that we'll have in our understanding that Hashem created this world and runs it, and, and hopefully that should carry us through the rest of the year with that security and that knowledge and that betachon that, that Hashem is the one that is in control here. So um, I hope you ladies understood and, and appreciated the, the Malbim's commentary. Let me know if you have questions about it, and I'm happy to um, answer and, and discuss with you. And um, I hope you have a great Shabbos, even though it's a little early. Um, a good Chodesh, and best of luck with all your Pesach preparations that are coming up this week. I'll see you next week.